0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field and his pants. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fin It to Win It. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, diehard Dolphins fan. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, uh, I choose to take the glass-half-full approach with these Miami Dolphins because there are only two games left this season. Thank goodness. We've got tomorrow against the Cincinnati Bengals, the final home game at Hard Rock Stadium and then we go to Brian Flores' old stomping grounds in Foxborough for a Week 17 showdown against a New England Patriots team that is playing for the AFC East Division title uh, this weekend against the Buffalo Bills and will undoubtedly be playing for playoff seating and positioning no matter what happens. So with that in mind, I think it's important for us to, to have a conversation. I know the last time I was on here, I talked a lot about free agency and what I felt like the Dolphins should do with free agency. And it's not the direction I want to go today because I think it's it, there's been a really hotly contested debate in recent days about the merits of Chase Young, the defense fan from Ohio State, who told TMZ that he's the plan is to go back to school, but Let's revisit that on January 17th when the underclassmen declaration passes us by. Uh, because I think Chase Young, no matter what happens to Ohio State in the college football playoff, they're going to get to the end of the season and Chase Young is going to take a step back. He's going to look at the season that he had and he's going to see the opportunity in front of him uh, to be a top two pick slam dunk. And I say top two pick slam dunk because there are, there are some questions amongst Dolphins fans and there there's a reasonable point to be made here that Chase Young might not be the best quote-unquote scheme fit for the Miami Dolphins defense and naturally when you see a player that's not a quote-unquote scheme fit for the Dolphins defense and make it Fitzpatrick who was a top 12 pick who stomped his feet until he got traded out of here despite a number of overtures from Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Stephen Ross all saying you know we want you to be a part of our long-term vision and Minka just wasn't having it, whether it was because of the win-loss record or because of his usage in in Miami's defense. Uh, That scares some folks, and I understand why that scares some folks. But I'd like you guys to take the perspective of looking at Chase Young's body of work, and he is arguably having the best season from an Ohio State pass rusher ever. And this is the school that put out both the Bosa brothers in the last five years. Like, he's out of this world good. Chase Young will be a top two lock because if the New York Giants get that pick, number two, behind the Cincinnati Bengals, they're going to draft Chase Young. They're not drafting Tua Tunga Violet, two when they just took Daniel Jones last year. I know that's something that we just saw the Cardinals do. It's not going to happen because... Rosen in Arizona was an unmitigated disaster. Daniel Jones, I thought, has looked more dynamic as a passer than what he looked like at Duke. You know, the the turnovers are a problem for him at Duke, but I don't think New York seriously has an opportunity, even if they fire Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer. I don't think that option is on the table for them to take a quarterback. They have a dire need at defensive end. They've got really heavy-handed, uh, impressive specimens on the defensive line at defensive tackle, but they need somebody off the edge. Chase Young can be that guy. If the Washington Redskins get that pick, Washington traded up for Montez Sweat last year. They do not have a two. Uh, Washington, I think, is a team that, while they would probably give more consideration to checking an alternative boxing going with an offensive tackle, Chase Young is head and shoulders above all the offensive tackles in this year's class. Chase Young is head and shoulders, in my opinion, the best fo- the best football player in this class, regardless of position. If the Dolphins get that pick, the Dolphins would be wise to either draft Chase Young at two, or, we can get real weird here, Miami, if they do feel that Chase Young is not a scheme fit, will now have the opportunity to trade back to a team that is interested in drafting Chase Young because that's kind of the number 1 spot will be locked out if the Bengals secure that pick because they're going to draft a quarterback they they desperately need to draft a quarterback so Miami then becomes the de facto like pivot point if they feel like Chase Young we'd like an AJ S instead we would like um Caleb on Chase on is a little bit more of a, a stand up type player instead. If that's the way that they want to go, if that's the way that you, the Dolphins would choose to go, I'm not going to get mad at him because you see, blue chip defensive players are on teams. Khalil Mack in Chicago is a good example. Aaron Donald this year in L- in L. A. with the Rams, they're not game. They're game plan changing players, but they're not franchise altering players relative to what you could get at the quarterback position. So for Miami, this could be the Laramie Tunsil situation all over again, where the value of what we could get for this player is worth more than the value of this amazing player that's in our lap. So you could take Chase Young at i I'm not going to be mad at you. You could trade for someone else to take Chase Young at two and cash out and get even more draft picks, because that's the name of the game for the dolphins in this rebuild is you have to get a surplus of draft capital at your disposal because no NFL executive is going to outroll the dice with the odds for NFL draft talent acquisition. I actually think Chris Greer, I've done some work for, um, uh, some things we're doing over at thedraftnetwork.com, and obviously I do USA Today uh, for Dolphins Wire as well. I look at what Chris has done in the four draft classes that he's been responsible for, and the top 75 picks that he's had have included good football players like Laramie Tunsil, Zavian Howard. Kenyon, Drake, say what you will about his ability to be a lead back, but as a third down back, he's certainly very dynamic. He's had more success this year in Arizona than what he had in Miami, two 100-yard rushing games. 2017, Charles Harris was the bust pick. I had a fourth-round grade on Charles Harris before the 2017 draft, and if you asked me before that draft, who's the one guy that is a realistic pick for your team that you'd be pissed off if they took? My answer was Charles Harris. But Silver lining here: Raquan McMillan in the second round is looking like a really good pick. Those are the only two top seventy-five picks they had that year. Two thousand and eighteen, we had Micah Fitzpatrick, we had Mike Issey, who's really turned the corner in year two. And we had Jerome Baker as top seventy-five picks, and then top seventy-five picked it this year. The only top seventy-five pick the Dolphins had was Christian Wilkett. So, like, Greer's done well in the first the the first two and a half rounds of the draft. But for how bad this team has been, to only get that number of picks at your disposal is kind of lame. And I I think that's what Miami now has the opportunity to do. Greer has a a pretty strong hit rate in the top 75 picks in the draft. We're going to get two years worth of top 75 picks from Greer. No, we're going to have three years of top 75 picks for Chris Greer this year, because we've got three first round picks, two second round picks, and an early three that's looking like it will be before pick 70. So that's six top 75 picks versus we had one top 75 pick last this past year, three the year before that, two the year before that. If we get, hear me out, a non-bust in Charles Harris, if we get another player of Raekwon McMillan's caliber, if we get a player of Minka Fitzpatrick's caliber, if we get a p- player of Christian Wilkins's caliber, if we get a player of uh, Jerome Baker's caliber, if we get all that in this year's draft class, you going to feel good about where we're at? I would hope so. And that doesn't even get into the potential to trade out of two. But th- this opportunity that the Dolphins are going to have, the fans have waited six months since it pre- became pretty apparent what the Dolphins were doing uh, to see what the payout was going to be, and then they trade Tunsil, and then two weeks later they trade Minka Fitzpatrick, and for the last three months we've kind of been on pins and needles here. And like there's fans losing their minds over wins because it's going to put you in a bad position. We're now at a point. Entering Week 16, where the Dolphins can go one and one, beat the Bengals and lose to the Patriots, and they will pick no higher than fifth in the draft order. It's not bad. If the Dolphins go 0 and two, the the Dolphins are going to be picking second or third, and potentially if the Cincinnati Bengals can drop the ball and beat the Cleveland Browns next week whilst also defeating the Dolphins this week. By the way, the the Bengals have been upgraded to one-point favorites on the road in Miami. Just thought you'd like to know that. If that materialized, if the Bengals beat the Dolphins and the Browns and the Dolphins lost to the Bengals and the Patriots, the Dolphins will be picking ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals in the draft order. So obviously this whole chase young at two chase young's a lock, whether it's Miami, a different team or Miami via a trade to a different team, chase young at two, there's still an Avenue here for the dolphins to walk away with the number one pick in the NFL draft. Now, couple months ago, I did some research on the NFL draft, and I found that I believe there's only been two instances of teams finishing the season with three wins and acquiring the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. That's the odds the Dolphins are looking at. Uh, the The statistics, it's according to ESPN's FPI, uh, currently projected to pick 4, 20, and 24. They're actually projecting the Steelers to miss the playoffs relative to I'm assuming to the Tennessee Titans. If the Dolphins were to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals, the Dolphins would enter week 17 with a 6.9% nice percent chance of moving into the number one spot. Right now, the Bengals, entering Week 16, have an 81.5% chance to pick first. If the Dolphins lose this game to Cincinnati tomorrow, the Dolphins will have a 6.9% chance of getting in position to have the number one overall pick, in which case, there's no trade-down scenario here that I'm taking. I'm drafting Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow has been a transcendent player this year. Uh, I, I know there's some one-year wonder-type concerns with him, but the things that make Joe Burrow so good as a prospect are the football intelligence, the the poise. Uh, he's got a lot of the, the same personality, uh, chip on his shoulder, kind of one of the guys, grittiness about him that everybody in Miami has fallen in love with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's a very important thing for us to think about is what traits of Ryan Fitzpatrick's need to be in the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Because let's be honest, that's a very big part of why this team has taken on to Fitz the way that they have. Because he's got this leadership demeanor about him that Joe Burrow, I think, also has. Tua also has. Tua is a very special individual as far as an intangibles perspective. Joe Burrow is more of an underdog. You know, I had the opportunity to go down to, to Tuscaloosa for LSU Alabama this year. The last full game that Tua played uh, came back from the ankle injury to play in that game, clearly not 100%. But you watch both those guys on the field and, and the impact they have on their teammates, and it was, it was really special seeing both of those guys. Uh, but Tua has been a prodigy for years. Right, two Tua, has been on the, the landscape since he came in, in the second half of the national championship game in January 2018 and led Alabama to a, an overtime victory over Georgia. Joe Burrow, as recently as four months ago, was considered a day three pick. He's got that same grit, underdog scrap about him that I think gives him a very Ryan Fitzpatrick personality and demeanor that would be a home-run marriage uh, when you consider how well this team has taken to that kind of approach from Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2019. Now, of course, this all is a moot point if the Bengals lose to the Dolphins on Sunday. Uh, If that materializes where Miami comes away, Victor Cincinnati has locked in the top pick. But things can get really interesting the rest of the way. Because if if we explore a little bit more of this Cincinnati winning out angle, right? There's a website called playoffpredictors.com. I probably spend three hours of my life every day on here at this point as a Dolphins fan, just flushing simulations down the toilet, watching my life kind of spiral. You know, the days are short. I live up here in Delaware, and uh, I'll get on here right after lunch and look up, and it's dark out because I've sunk a couple hours (laughs) into trying to figure out what the hell's going to happen. Um if Cincinnati beats Miami uh and the New York Giants defeat the Washington Redskins and then you move to week 17 and the Bengals do defeat the Cleveland Browns and the Dolphins do lose to the New England Patriots Cincinnati doesn't just drop below Miami they drop below Washington and now th- this is assuming both Or Washington loses out. uh, They play the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Uh, The Giants spanked them the first time they played. Dallas is playing with their playoff hopes on the line, uh, going head to head against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, where it can get interesting is if Dallas wins this week, perhaps Dallas sits their starters as a, a locked into the four seed and division championship and then. Perhaps then Washington can can take that game. But if Washington also loses out, Washington, based on two-hundredths of a percent, have the opportunity, two-tenths of a percent, excuse me, have the opportunity to surpass the Miami Dolphins based on tiebreaker with the Redskins, Dolphins, and Bengals all finishing the season at 3-13. and 13. So I have playoff predictors here in front of me. What you do is you select the end result from all the games on a week-by-week basis. And having picked what I think is probably most likely, but also playing out this Cincinnati two-game win streak at the end of the season, uh, Washington is picking first with a strength of schedule of 494. And the Dolphins are picking second with 496. I'm not worried about being behind Washington because Washington is a team that's probably going to be transitioning themselves. They got a head coaching change. Dan Snyder is the one who strong-armed Washington into picking Dwayne Haskins. Uh, So I know there's an attachment there with ownership in Dwayne Haskins. That's only a year long. Uh, The Dolphins at 2 would have the opportunity to flip picks if they wanted to with Washington because you know my our Cincinnati's going to go on a full court press to try and out leverage Washington or Miami to trade up into that spot if they were to fall behind the Dolphins in the draft order and the Dolphins weren't picking one So like there's a lot of layers here for how this can develop, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Listen, the anti-climatic thing, and it's probably going to be like the most probable outcome and and thing that's going to happen is uh, the Bengals are going to lose to the Dolphins, and then they're locked into the first pick, and Joe Burrow's in with Cincinnati, and it's done. And now Miami is in a position of, okay, are you going to pick three? Are you going to pick four? Are you going to pick five? Uh, Miami winning a game here, we'll drop them no further than five, but it does put them in an awkward spot because the perfect world for me is you get an opportunity to draft Chase Young at two, or you have an opportunity to trade for a, like a boatload of picks and fall back to one of these teams, uh, whether it's the New York Giants at five or Arizona at six or Carolina at eight, teams that want to jump up and make a pick, and then Miami then can transition into, okay, who's the quarterback we want? Do we want Tua? We draft Tua with our first pick here. Uh, Do we want to take a best player available at two with Chase Young and then trade up from 20 or wherever Pittsburgh ends up and from that point go out and trade up to go get Tua? Uh, This gets back into what Chris Greer had said during his press conference after the team traded Mika Fitzpatrick. They asked him... uh, this is a direct quote from the press conference after the trade of Mika Fitzpatrick. The question was, what do you think you can do with up to seven picks in the first three rounds next year? This was back before the Juwan uh, James compensatory pick fell to the fourth because James didn't play in enough qualifying games. Uh, Chris Greer verbatim quote, we can do anything we want, <laughs> whether it's free agency as well, but the draft uh, for us, we've positioned ourselves to where we think we can do anything or get whatever we've, player we feel that will help us as soon as possible Uh, he talked a lot about wanting to build a winner uh, saying that the fans deserve a winner and that the team is is positioned itself uh, to get things turned around very quickly Uh, those were some of the buzzwords that Chris used quite frequently in the press conference was getting this thing turned around quickly and building a winner and sustainable success but being aggressive so I don't think tradeouts is necessarily something that that we should be ruling out for Miami because they have all these assets. And I think you'll see them do a lot of what the New England Patriots do where uh, they're constantly moving up and down the board. And uh, not to the same degree in which New England does it where they're trading for established veterans and trading a, a conditional seventh round pick for Michael Bennett and stuff like that, just because that's New England is in a much different place in their team building cycle and in their roster and talent acquisition, Miami is kind of square one. And when you're square one like that, you you have to hoard the assets. You have to get as much young, cheap talent as possible. You have to play the game with volume. But uh, that doesn't preclude you from trading up and targeting a player that you so desire, as so long as you have a surplus in assets that you can later move back and and replace those assets. So, for Miami, it's like okay, if they take somebody in the top five, you know, whether they win or lose against the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's not Tua, but they decide they want to jump up in front of whether it's the LA Chargers or somebody else, and go up and get a quarterback, maybe Indianapolis Colts. Um, Probably, they're probably going to be somewhere around 14. The Oakland Raiders are kind of a dark horse. Uh, They'll be picking in the teens as well. Miami's going to have the opportunity to do that because they've got three first-round picks. So if you can take a one this year and pair it with a one next year and jump up and then take your third one this year and move back whether it's later into the first round or out of the first round altogether to replace the one like you've just if you cancel out trade ups with trade downs you're probably going to have a net positive result as far as the number of picks and volume that you have and you you have a strike zone where depending on how high you pick, you have a certain expectation for your return on investment of that player. And I think I'd mentioned top 75 earlier for Chris Greer and and how he's done well in that area. That's your expected area, in my opinion, where you need to be able to identify and acquire starting caliber players because everything after that becomes such a lottery ticket that you, you can't bank on being the one or two or three or four teams out of, 40 picks once you factor in compensatory picks in the fifth round that's going to walk away with an NFL starter if you bet that you're going to be the exception of the rule you're going to lose and that's why I think it's so important that uh, Miami has adopted the volume approach that they have and I think it will serve them very well in the long run but that doesn't mean they can't be aggressive and move up and down the board as they so desire so uh, they're, they're listen really exciting times ahead if you're a Miami Dolphins fan because we've gotten through the rough part of the schedule as far as playing the 2019 season was something that a lot of Dolphins fans dreaded come the end of August beginning of September and the way the first two games went for Miami getting shellacked the way that they did it seemed like it was going to be a really unpleasant year and as the year went on Brian Flores came into his own as a head coach I felt like. the team, even though I didn't agree with the way that they made the change for Josh Rosen after announcing that he was going to be the starter and the position was settled, and then they, they pulled the rug out from underneath of him, uh, playing Ryan Fitzpatrick was the right thing to do because it's given Devontae Parker a chance to shine. It gave Preston Williams a better chance to shine, Mike Isecki a chance to shine. And it's allowed them to evaluate their, the entirety of their roster and not just the quarterback position, trying to groom that in hopes the, we, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few and and josh needed the reps josh needs the reps josh needs the the development and the practice at some of the the pre-snap things that have eluded him because he wasn't asked to do them before he got to miami but everybody else needs their reps too and to forsake with hindsight being 2020 to forsake everybody else's reps in favor of just the quarterback wouldn't have been a very good way to go so even though i didn't agree with the way that they did it it was clear now that you see how this team has responded to Ryan Fitzpatrick and how they're playing. It was the right thing to do. Um, but there's two games left. One of them is against the Bengals. I'm going to be on bated breath tomorrow for the Bengals game because I actually, you know, I've enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed winning games. I was rooting as recently as the Jets game. I was sitting here getting pissed off when things didn't go the Dolphins' way and rooting for wins. But I think Miami's best opportunity to make waves comes with a loss to the Bengals because it either puts you in a position to challenge for the, the second pick or it puts you in a position where you could potentially jump to the number one pick. And the the possibilities with the two pick, if the Chase Young system scheme fit things turn out and materialize as fact, that gives Miami a ton of flexibility to potentially do some trades with that pick as well, or just take the best player available. And let's not, let's not make it harder than it has to be. So lots to look forward to. I look forward to getting in touch with you guys. Um, Shortly after Sunday's game, I'll be doing something early in the week again next week. We're going to blitz you guys here at the end of the schedule. Want to thank you for carving some time out of your weekend to listen to Fin it to win it. I'm Kyle Krabs. Come back and see us again.